Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. Well, good morning. Thank you for choosing to worship with us at Central. You know, as I was praying about the service today, uh, God could have sent you to any church across this region, but he chose to have you here. So I believe there's a specific message he wants you to hear. There's something specific that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life, whether it was during worship, during a prayer, during this sermon, or during the altar time at the end. I believe the Lord wants to touch each and every one of you. Whether you've been with Jesus for decades upon decades or whether you're still considering the claims of Jesus, I believe he wants to touch your life. And I believe if you just attach your faith to that for the next you know, several minutes here, uh, I believe he's going he's gonna to do something good in your life. If you agree with that, can you say amen? amen? It is. It's a privilege to come together to actually get to celebrate uh, the resurrection of Jesus uh, I think we overlook it at times because we can put our signs out, you know, on the front road saying what time we're going to celebrate Easter Sunday morning and, you know, how we're going to uh, worship together and it's, we come and go freely and we could celebrate that publicly. There are millions upon millions of Christians across this world uh, who th- this is a highly persecuted day. You know, in nations all around the world, uh, there are persecuted Christians who actually give their lives just as the early church did to, uh, to advance the message of the kingdom. And so I want to, what I want to do is actually just pray for them uh, throughout. You know, I know um, the eastern part of the world has already uh, been to church and celebrated, but it's not in a public fashion like this. Many of them are doing it in basements and in hidden places. So let's just pray for them. The Lord will continue to give them boldness as they uh, go into extremely, extremely dangerous nations to advance the gospel. Father, we do just come to you. We're celebrating your, birth, or your, your uh, resurrection today, that you're coming back to life, Jesus. We're celebrating that publicly, but we do take this moment to recognize the millions of persecuted Christians, those who are willing to give up their very lives to, to not renounce your name, but to continue to stay attached to you, continue to worship you. Father, we thank you for their boldness. We thank you for their courage. And now I just pray that you would give them extra angelic protection in this season. Father, I pray that you would hover around them, that you'd give them that hedge of protection, that you'd show them favor, Father. And I pray, God, that you would also blind the eyes of the enemy, that you would thwart the plans of the devil that would try to come and destroy their churches, their homes, and even their lives. Father, we ask, God, that your will would be done. God, that your kingdom would come and that all nations would hear about the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we ask you to bless them now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, well, as we celebrate Jesus' resurrection, we do need to realize that his transformation from death to life actually initiates our transformation from death to life. His resurrection actually makes our transformation possible. So when we come to a church service like this today, specifically celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, we don't exalt his name and worship him because he has like a self-esteem problem or because he has a complex. He doesn't need any more attention. What we do is we come together to exalt his name, to bring glory to his name, and to recognize what he did because he did it all for us. And when we realize that, we'll come with such gratitude to understand, wait a minute, God, the creator of everything in heaven and earth, chose to come as a human in flesh to be born from a virgin named Mary. 
That, for us, like we have to grasp that. He chose to live a life of hatred and people uh, uh, trying to kill him, even from his very first message, and people misunderstanding him. But he lived a perfect life for us. And he went on that cross for you and me, for us. And he died that death for us, and he came back to life for us. When we give him that recognition and we honor him for doing that, it's understanding he did it for you. He did it so you could be born again, so you could spend an eternity with him in heaven. That is why we celebrate the name of the Lord. Can anybody say amen? Amen. Let's loosen up a little bit. We're good, we're good. So what I want to do, I want to go through Luke chapter 24. It's one of the accounts of the resurrection. We're going to go through the first 12 verses. If you want to read out of your own Bible, you can turn there. Luke chapter 24. Each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all tell of the resurrection of Jesus. I've chosen this one to go through these first 12 verses. I'm going to stop along the way and give you some supporting verses as we go through here. Now, Luke was a doctor. He was writing to a specific audience. In fact, if you ever read through the book of Luke and then read through the book of Acts, it's the same author And you'll get a great theme throughout that. Starting at verse 1 in Luke chapter 24, it said, On the first day of the week, which was Sunday, very early in the morning, the uh, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. Now, if you understand this, the Jewish Sabbath was on a Saturday. That was the last day of the week. The reason why they took that as a day of rest and that was their day of the Lord is because they were honoring the day of rest that God took after the six days of creation in the book of Genesis. So he rested on the seventh. Now the reason why we celebrate on the first day of the week is because this is the day our Lord and Savior was resurrected and came back to life. So we don't honor just that day of rest. Now we we recognize that Jesus is our Sabbath. He is our rest. So these women, they come to Jesus. They come to visit his body on this first day of the week. I started thinking about that. And, you know, I want to make it a priority in my life. I want you to make it a priority in your life to take time out of your schedule, just like these women took time out of their day to go and pursue the body of Jesus. We want to come and pursue his presence. Now, you can do that anywhere by yourself too, but there's something powerful about coming together as a body of believers to say, we're all of one mind, we're all of one spirit, we're here to celebrate and honor a resurrected king. Now, many uh, many Jewish holidays, they only happen one time a year, so we celebrate Easter morning, Resurrection Sunday, one time of year, right? Now, in the Old Testament, throughout all these feasts and festivals, it was one week a year or one day a year. In fact, on the Day of Atonement, it was one day a year, the high priest was allowed into the most holy place to offer atonement for our sin. It was the one day out of the entire year that he was in the very tangible presence of God. But something shifted whenever Jesus died on the cross and the veil in the, in the temple torn. And it meant we have access to God 365 days a year, including the leap year, which means it's not just about Sunday morning. It's not about filling this room one day a week. It's about being with Jesus and pursuing him each and every day of your life. So we don't have to wait for a holiday. We don't have to wait for a special day. Jesus is with us every single day. And he wants us to be in relationship with him. 
I do believe, though, it's on, on these holidays, on these special days that we do celebrate, that we can stand strong knowing that Christianity is the only religion, the only belief system that serves a living God. In fact, when you think about it, Muhammad's in the grave, Buddha is in the grave, the stars and the moon that other people worship are simply objects that God created. So while everybody else pursues a false God, we have evidence that we serve the risen king. Our God is alive and well, and we should be excited about that. Amen? Now, you may have heard uh, that, you know, the different gospels contradict each other. Some people say that. They don't contradict each other. Listen, if we were to ask five of these, you know, these five young adults here sitting in the front row, tell me about church service today, you know, at noon when we break here, they're going to give you different accounts, especially if they're talking to different people. They're going to highlight different things. That doesn't mean they weren't at the same church service. Are you following me? So if you've ever heard, well, the Gospels contradict each other, so the resurrection isn't true. No, that's false. These are different authors writing to different people for a different purpose. So they're bringing up the main theme here is Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty. So when we look at the different details that are brought up, we have to realize it's a different conversation with different people. Another argument against the resurrection is that somebody stole the body of Jesus to fake his resurrection. Listen, there's evidence throughout Scripture and even outside of Scripture of Jesus coming to people after he was alive. Just follow this. Mary Magdalene in John 20. The women at the tomb uh, accompanying Mary in Matthew 28. Roman guards in Matthew 28, the 11 disciples in John 21, the two men on the road to Emmaus, Luke 24, a number of disciples Jesus showed up to in Matthew 28. 1 Corinthians 15 says that he appeared to over 500 people over the 40 days after he was resurrected. And now outside of the Bible, several references to Jesus and his resurrection are included in historical documentation such as Josephus, Tacitus, and the Babylonian Talmud. There is evidence of a resurrected Jesus. You may also have heard that the early church made up the story. So basically, they lied about it to start their own religion. So follow this out. There were disciples that were beheaded, boiled in oil, crucified upside down, killed, persecuted, imprisoned. All of that for a lie. I think not. I think they knew that Jesus was alive because they experienced him. And I believe that they were transformed by him. So they were willing to give up their lives to advance this message of the gospel. And when we think about it over 2,000 years later, we're still following Jesus. And people might come against us and say, well, following Jesus uh, is, you know, you're being narrow-minded, you're being bigoted, you're intolerant. No, listen, it's none of those things. Deciding to follow Jesus is the most humble act one could do. Think about it. It's not being narrow-minded or bigoted. Following Jesus is saying, I can't do this life on my own. I can't survive on my own. I can't fulfill my destiny on my own. I can't have joy on my own. I can't be successful on my own. So because of that, what you do is you lay down your life to pick up his. You're saying, I'm surrendering everything I know about my life so that you could be my Lord and my Savior. That's not being narrow-minded. It's being quite humble. It's not being prideful. It's being broken before the Lord, saying, take the pieces of my life and put them back together. Let's go back to Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 2. 
So the women, they are approaching the tomb. It says they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now in the Middle Eastern times, tombs were often carved out of caves in the rock. This was not something special for Jesus. This was customary. So the body would be wrapped in these long uh, linen strips and the body would be laid on a shelf in the tomb. So when the ladies came to this tomb, uh, they would have seen that the large circular rock uh, usually fit like within a groove right in front of the, of the tomb and that had been rolled away. Now, again, we can't just read over these things. You have to, I want you to imagine what these women were thinking. Like, Again, they weren't connecting that he was risen yet. They were going to embalm his body with spices. But they go and the tombs rolled away, which means the seal, uh, the the Roman seal would have been torn off as well. I I want you to understand the surprise, the shock, the awe that they would have been in. I started thinking, even as I was writing this, that the Lord's saying, listen, I want to do this to people every time they come to approach me. I want to surprise them. I want to confound them. I want to show them the mysteries that are found in my word. I want to show them the things that they didn't understand the last time they came to me. And just as they came and they found something brand new with that, that stone rolled away, I believe the Lord wants to show you something new in your life every single time you go to him in prayer. Every time you open up the Bible to read it, don't read it as as a religious tradition. Don't read it as a a checklist. Open the word and say, God, show me something new. Surprise me as you surprised the women when they came to this tomb. Verse four says this. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleam like lightning stood beside them. These were angels. It says, in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. This is what Jesus had told them. Now the angels are reminding the women this. So the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified. And on the third day be raised again. And then as Sharice mentioned at the early, uh, earlier in the service, in verse 8, it says, then they remembered his words. See, we already discussed the significance of the cross and, you know, everything that Jesus said he was going to do, all the preparation that he had for them, it started flooding their memory. Oh my goodness. This is what Jesus has been talking about. This is all the things. And we, we discussed a lot of it on Friday of how when he went on that cross, he didn't, just, he didn't just write all of our sins on a poster board and nail it to a cross like you'll see in videos. It, the Bible says that he actually bore our sins. That in that original language, it means he became sin. He became a sin offering for you. I love how Pastor Francisco said it when he was giving communion. Sin, and, and the Bible also says that he became our sicknesses. He carried our sicknesses. So Pastor Francisco on Friday night said, sin and sickness can't be in two places at once. They're either on your body and in your life or they're already on the cross. And I believe the word's very clear that they were on the cross. So he took every sin that you would ever commit and he became that sin. And when he was nailed to the cross and the blood started to shed, we receive forgiveness of all of our sins. So now when we receive by faith the forgiveness that was offered on the cross, we can be made right with God. That's something to be excited about. Y'all can smile at me a little bit. I don't know if you're nervous. 
This is good news. This is the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. But there also had to be a resurrection. See, with the death of Jesus Christ, there's forgiveness of sin, there's healing of sickness, there's deliverance from torment. But without, without that resurrection, there's no victory over death. So what happened is this. The devil thought he had his final blow, right? Jesus is dead on the cross. They take him off, they put him in the tomb. The devil thought that he, he made his final blow against, against Jesus. But on that third day, when Jesus came back to life and was resurrected, with re, or came back to life with resurrection power, he overcame death. So now he has the keys of death and 80s. He has the keys of authority that the devil stole from Adam way back in the Garden of Eden. And because he is now raised from, from the dead and has victory over it, we have his victory. So we have to understand that we have the victory over death because Jesus came back from the dead. The revelation we have to catch as believers, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, is this. You will not die. You will not die. Some of you are thinking, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> See, we are so concerned with the natural realm here. We're so concerned with our bodies and all the things that can happen to them. But the fact of the matter is, is the moment you say yes to Jesus, your spirit, your soul is born again. So even though you'll take your final breath on this side of eternity, though your heart will start, stop beating someday, your body will give way, your last breath on this side of eternity will be your next breath face to face with Jesus. That's an amazing revelation. I love what one persecuted Christian said. He, his life was being threatened, and they were saying, if you continue to preach the gospel, we're going to kill you. And he said, what are you, or he said, how are you going to threaten me with heaven? Like, are you threatening me with heaven? You take this life, and the real me is going to go and be with Jesus. That's resurrection power. That's transformation that is shown throughout Scripture. In John chapter 11, we read this during funeral services, and we need to start reading it in celebration services. It says, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. People might say, well, that contradicts itself. No, it doesn't. Your body will die. The moment you were born, you were destined to die a physical death. But because you've turned to Jesus, you've admitted you're a sinner in need of a Savior, now your spirit is made brand new. And though you die physically, you will never die spiritually. This is the beautiful exchange. This is the transformation that we have, the opportunity to have. This is the great rescuing of our soul. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul says, for he, he's talking about God, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. That word dominion means power and authority, whoever's the, the Lord over that area. So he says he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of, his, of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So, so what happens, what he's saying here is God is the one who rescued us through the shed blood, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want you to picture yourself for a moment in the middle of a sea, the ocean, whatever, all by yourself, no flotation devices on, no raft, no boat. Now, I just said we'd never die, but if you were all by yourself in the middle of the ocean, you'd probably be a little bit scared, right? 
I'd be scared too. Yeah. I got one. One hand. We got me and Chris. We'll be scared. All right. But if you can imagine yourself moment by moment with no boats in sight, no help in sight, moment by moment, you would see your life as very fleeting, right? Breath by breath. How many more, you know, how many more strokes can I take before I drown? Now, if you could picture out of nowhere a speedboat flying off from the horizon, coming in as close as they could, and the men from that speedboat throwing off a lifeline to you, imagine the transformation that would take place in just a moment. You would go from desperation, hopelessness, fear, anxiety, to like excitement and hope, and you know, knowing that you're about to be saved. Now, those men in that speedboat that throw that lifeline off to you, they've done everything that they can at that point to rescue you. They've pursued you. They've come close to you. They've done everything they could. The line is yours. How many of you know the person will still drown if they say, thank you for coming close, but never reach out and grab it, right? So God's the one in the boat. He's pursued us. He's come after us. He's come close to us. He's thrown you the lifeline. His will, his purpose is to rescue you from the dominion of darkness. But by faith, you have to reach out. You have to grab the line and say, I believe I'm being ripped out of this dominion of the devil and being brought into the kingdom of light. That's the amazing miracle of salvation. God does all the work through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, comes all over to you, and by faith, you reach out. You grab on and let Jesus take the steering wheel of your life from there. Transformation begins at the moment of salvation. But transformation is meant to happen day by day by day in your life. We recently launched a mission statement, a new mission statement here at Central a few weeks back. It's in your bulletin. Uh, We want you to know what we're about as a church. Within that mission statement, there are four values uh, that we have been teaching on. And the second value is transform. And it's fitting for today because everything Jesus did through his resurrection causes transformation to happen in us. So I'm going to read you the statement. Again, it's in, it's in a booklet in your bulletin. It'll be on the screen also. It says, God desires to transform our whole person into the image of Jesus. The, our whole person. Think about that. We experience true transformation by encountering God's presence, love, and power in our personal lives, along with ongoing worship, discipleship, and relationships within the body of Christ. By the laying down of our old or our sinful nature and selfish ways, we are made completely new and free in Christ by following him daily. There's a key verse that we use within this paragraph. It's 2 Corinthians 5.17, and it says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. Now think about this. When Jesus was dead in a tomb, crucified, From the perspective of many, it was gone. It was hopeless. There was no future. But when he was resurrected, how many of you know, he came back to life in a resurrected body. He was made brand new. It's a picture of being born again. So what this verse is saying, when we give our lives to Jesus, we are made new. We are a new creation. That phrase new creation means never before seen by the world. It's not, an old, it's not a newer version of the old you. It's a completely brand new you. You have the same body, but you have the new spirit, a new soul following after Jesus. Now listen, I want, I want as a church 
to offer experiences with God here at this church where you come in here and you say, if you don't know Jesus, you come in and by the end of worship, you say, I felt something. I felt something different in this earth. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but it's something different. We want you to sense the tangible presence of God during worship. We want you to go through a process of repenting and confessing and giving your life to Jesus through the preaching of the word. We want you to experience God's power when you come forward and receive prayer. We want your bodies to be healed. We want you to experience transformation in your life. We want all those things to happen within this church building. But I guarantee you, Jesus did not come back to life just to fill this church building on Easter Sunday. He came back to life so that you could have an abundant life through your eternal life, which means you worship here, but you can also worship on your own. You receive the word here, but you can open your own Bible and learn from the Holy Spirit as he teaches you. You can experience his power here at the altar, but you can also experience it by yourself as you seek the Lord. And both are important. Coming together as a church family is important. And walking with Jesus, taking up your own cross and following him daily is also important. You still with me? The next verse, verse 18 in 2 Corinthians 5, says that all of this is from God, who reconciled himself through, or who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. So if you follow this out, God is in the business of reconciling people back to him through Christ. So each one of you was designed with a specific purpose, a specific plan, right? You're all different. You all have different talents, gifts, and abilities, Listen, whether you're following Jesus or not, you can't hide the fact that he created you. So the things you're good at is because God gave you that ability. You can consider Jesus as long as you need to until you're ready to admit that he is a risen savior. The things that you excel at, the things that you're successful at, it's because he designed you and crafted you in your mother's womb in a very unique way. But so one thing that is uh, broad across all of humanity is that God is reconciling us back to him. So the sin that separated us, Jesus closed that gap, and now he's rescuing us out of the kingdom of darkness. Now, the amazing thing is this, is that he trusts those of us who are already Christians with this same ministry of reconciliation. That people who are following Buddha, Muhammad, atheists, wondering how many gods are out there, he actually trusts other followers of Jesus to share the message that they've been transformed by this person, by this Lord, by this Savior named Jesus, so that they would come into that same encounter. In fact, we, fa- we, we saw evidence of it just in first service. Uh, there was a, a young man that, uh, that has a friend, and he's just been inviting him, inviting him, inviting him. He woke up on Easter Sunday, saw a text from his friend, said, all right, I'll go, it's Easter. He comes forward, gives his life to Jesus, a life completely transformed this morning because one person brought the message of reconciliation to another. So today, in 2018, we should be just as excited about the resurrection of Jesus as they were back in the day when they actually saw him resurrected. What if we did it? What if we spent the rest of this day, not just because it's a religious holiday, not because it's a tradition that you come to church on Easter, but actually take time to grasp the significance that you actually believe, that you believe he is risen.
you believe he's alive and well. That you believe through the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you and is transforming you day by day by day. Back in Luke chapter 24 and verse nine, it says, when they came back from the tomb, this, these are the women that, that already saw the angels and it's already started clicking through their head what had happened. It said, they, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. I think we could just put it out there and admit right now, this message might sound like nonsense to some of you. God's not afraid of that. doesn't make him nervous. He loves you way beyond any doubt, way beyond any criticism, way beyond any, uh, any struggle that you're having. I think even in moments like this, it's like, okay, I'm here at Easter Sunday. He's gonna ask me to give his life to Jesus. I'm not into this. I'm coming because my family asked me. All that stuff. Listen, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, they're much bigger than that. He's gonna continue to pursue you with his love. He's gonna continue to pursue you with his reality until one day it clicks. We say, wait a minute, this isn't nonsense anymore. I actually do realize that without a savior, Without the forgiveness of my sins, I will spend an eternity separated from God in eternal punishment. I have full confidence that our God is able to continue to shower you with his presence and his love until one day it's no longer nonsense. You know, it might actually sound like nonsense to some of you who are believers to think that he wants to completely transform your lives. Maybe you've been a Christian for years and like you keep struggling with that same thing over and over. It's like that nagging poke in your side, like it won't go away. Maybe it sounds like nonsense that today could be different, that today could be the day that the transformation, resurrection, power of Jesus could come into your life in such a way that you leave changed in how you came in. I believe it's true across the entire spectrum. I believe Jesus can and will heal your body today will bring you into his kingdom, tearing you out of the kingdom of darkness, allowing you to come closer to him than you've ever been before. But it does require faith. See, to the human mind and to human reasoning, it might be nonsense. But when you say, you know what? I'm going to put my faith for the first time or for the 99th time in the power of Jesus. I'm gonna have faith in the fact that my old sinful nature has been crucified with Christ and that I am a new creation. I'm gonna have faith that he did wear and become my sin and my sicknesses so that I could be transformed. I want you to, re I want, I want you to listen to just a few powerful verses from Romans chapter six. It says, if we've been united with him like this in his death, the previous verses we're talking about how we've been buried with Jesus. So it, it was as if, if, you, if you're catching this, because Jesus became your sin and became your sickness, when he went on the cross, it is as if you were on the cross with him. That's a revelation you have to catch. So because then once that payment for sin is being made, it's payment for your personal sin, not just for the church as a whole, but for your personal sin. 
And because he took upon and bore your sicknesses, it's as if all of your sicknesses were on the cross. Those earlier verses say then, when he went into the tomb, it's as if your old, stinking, selfish, sinful nature was buried in the grave with Jesus. So now it goes on to the resurrection part. It says here in verse 6, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Well, yeah, Pastor Kerr, but I still sin. Listen, you have been freed from the power of sin if Jesus is your Lord and Savior. So though you might sin every once in a while, you are no longer a sinner. That's not your nature anymore. You've been created brand new. It says in verse 8, Now if we've died to Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again Death no longer has mastery over him. And like I said before, because it no longer has mastery over him, and we are hidden in him, sin and death no longer has mastery over us. It says in verse 10, Then the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Such a beautiful picture of us. Our old nature, dead, buried, and the new us, the brand new you, being resurrected with the power of Jesus. I want to close uh, in Luke 24, the last verse I want to read to you today is in verse 12, where it says, Peter. So if you followed Peter's life, if you've grown up in church, you know the story. Uh, Peter was stubborn. Peter was a loud mouth. He you know, put his foot in his mouth several times. And these apostles are having a really hard time grasping like, wait a minute, Jesus is really alive? It says they didn't believe the women. But Peter gets up and he books it to the tomb. He's like, ah, I gotta see for myself. So it says, Peter, however, got up and he ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen laying by themselves. And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. I want you to stand at this time. Now, I want you just for the next few moments to picture yourself as Peter. I want you to put yourself in Peter's shoes. Picture yourself running to that tomb, seeing that it's empty, realizing what these ladies just said was absolutely true. And now what do you do with that? What do you do with that reality? You know, you came here and maybe this is the 20th, 30th time, however old you are, if you've come on Easter Sunday, or, or yeah, on Easter Sunday, it's that many times you've heard this resurrection story. But I want you to think for a moment what was running through Peter's head at this time. That the tomb is actually empty. That Jesus is actually alive. And what am I going to do with that? It says that Peter wondered to himself what had happened. And each of us, we have to, we have to grapple with that same reality. You have to wonder what happened to Jesus in that tomb. You have to wonder what his power, the power of his resurrection truly means for you, not just those who were alive back then. You have to wonder what areas of his life, of your life, he still wants to transform. You have to wonder what areas of your life you want him to transform. 
And I do believe you have to wonder, you have to consider if you've ever made a real commitment to Jesus as your Lord. Or was it a one time, my hands raised in service, I leave and never follow him again. The one part in this verse that struck me last night said this, the, the, the scriptures say that Peter went away. He went away from the tomb wondering what had happened. This is the one area I want to be different. Because I don't want you to go away wondering. I don't want you to walk away wondering. I don't want you to be driving in your car today wondering what could have been different if I just received prayer. What could have been different if I just reached out to that lifeline. What, what could be different today? See, I believe, like I said earlier, that you came into this this specific church family. You've possibly met new people today. I believe that you were here for a reason. So I don't want you to leave today wondering what if. Wondering what is the account? What do I do with Jesus? What do I do with him in my life? So in just a moment, I'm gonna ask that our altar team comes forward. They're trusted people from our church. And I want you to consider, and I want you to be prepared to come forward as well as we sing a final song. And I want you to wonder, is there something in your body that you need healed? You need a disease transformed into health. You need a tumor transformed into something something good and wholesome. If that's you, then I want you to come forward and believing that Jesus is going to transform sickness into health. If there's an area of your life, maybe there's a relationship. Maybe you have to see some aunt or uncle like two hours from now for lunch and you're nervous about it. Why not come forward today in faith and believe that Jesus is going to change that person's heart and your heart so when you see them, you can embrace them and there's not tension in the house. Why can't that be different today, this year? I want you to think to yourself, maybe you've received Jesus a long time ago, but maybe you're far from him now. Listen, don't let guilt keep you from coming back. He's still throwing you the lifeline. Come forward today and just receive prayer. Today might be the day that sparks revival in your heart. Maybe you're here today and you're just wondering about the claims of Jesus and you say, you know what? I'm gonna do it. I'm going to begin today following Jesus. I'm going to begin today as my Lord and my Savior, being Jesus, the one. Then I want you to come forward too. There's nothing embarrassing. There's nothing wrong with you for walking forward today. It's just this. There's at least one area in my life that I want Jesus to transform. And I believe his resurrection power is able to transform that area. Father, we thank you for your resurrection. And God, I pray that even tomorrow morning and the next day and the next day, we would see your power flow through our lives, Lord Jesus. I pray, Father, for your favor and blessing upon each person as we go from here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Be blessed. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.